Activia offers a range of yogurts which are a delicious way to look after your gut health. From the fruit range with carefully selected ingredients to no added sugar and 0% fat offering, as well as a cereals range, there's an Activia for everyone. Made with a unique blend of five ferments creating an irresistibly creamy texture, each pot of Activia is a source of calcium, making it the perfect addition to your daily routine. Activia helps support a healthy gut. Your gut is where it all begins. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to the Real Health Podcast with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, on this week's episode, I wanted to talk about veganism and being vegan from a health and fitness point of view. It's certainly in vogue, it's trendy, it's funky, and it's absolutely everywhere. But what are the pros and cons of a vegan diet? Well, to take me through it from an expert's perspective, I'm joined by registered dietitian Maeve Hannan, a professional dietitian of dietetically.speaking.com. Maeve, welcome to the Real Health Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. How's things? Good, thanks. Busy, busy, busy. Very busy, yeah. We've just had our busy spell of January, so yeah, definitely keeping busy. So let's start at the really, at the basics, I suppose. Mm -hmm. What is a vegan and what is the, you know, what does it mean to people when they say that they're vegans? Very good place to start. So a vegan diet, it's a plant-only diet, but it's not only a diet, it's a lifestyle. So it's avoiding all animal-based products. So any animal-based products in soap or cosmetics or leather, that kind of thing. But then in terms of diet, it means no dairy, no meat, no chicken, no eggs, no fish. So it's a plant-only diet. There's not a lot left. Yeah, I mean... You can absolutely have a balanced vegan diet, but it does take more effort because you have cut out certain food groups. Um, but yeah, it, it can be a little bit more tricky, especially if you are used to having those animal-based foods and you take them out all of a sudden. And that's where we need to pay attention to fill those nutritional gaps. And it's something you're seeing a big increase in into over the last kind of, say, 12, 18 months or so. Absolutely. And especially in a lot of the younger group of people, kind of teenagers, that kind of thing. Um, I've definitely seen a big increase in terms of how many people are interested in it, how many people are like trying it for Lent and that kind of thing, or trying Veganuary, or just fully going vegan. And why do you think that is? What's the, you know, on the, on the ground, why are people saying it to you that they want, they want to try it? I think some of the main reasons I'm hearing is around environmental concerns. And I think some of the surveys and things that I've seen is that that's one of the main motivating factors at the moment. Um, also, I think it is just becoming really popular and trendy, as you're saying. So a lot more celebrities and influencers and even like athletes and politicians and things. Um, so we're just getting a lot more messages and a lot of the, the kind of pseudo Netflix documentaries as well that we're seeing. I think that's had a big influence as well. OK, so there is a component of environmental awareness about it. Yeah. Uh, is it more environmentally friendly as a diet than a carnivore diet, maybe? So if we're comparing maybe like the average Irish diet and the amount of animal products that are consumed compared to a vegan diet, a vegan diet would be a more sustainable approach. But the thing about a sustainable diet is it's actually really complex. So we often think of maybe the CO2 emissions, the land use, the water use. But for a diet to be sustainable, it also needs to be nutritious. It needs to be culturally acceptable and affordable. That's why there's actually no one sustainable diet that suits every country because there's going to be different climates and, you know, different setups in different countries. So really, we have some new guidance that's come out in terms of what is a sustainable diet. And we had the Eat Lancet report last year. 
And that was a big group of experts, so environmental experts and nutrition experts and what they came out with. And they concluded that it should be a plant based diet to improve the environment. But that doesn't mean a plant only diet. So they actually said you could still have red meat up to once a week, chicken two to three times a week. Um, you could have dairy once or twice a day, fish once or twice a week. So it wasn't actually that you had to go fully vegan to get those improvements. And there was a really interesting study in the UK as well that found something very similar. So they compared the average intake in the UK to if everybody followed the healthy eating guidelines, what environmental impact that would have. And actually they found a 33% reduction in the overall environmental impact if everyone followed what they call the Eat Well Guide. It's kind of like our food pyramid. And it's the fact that most people actually aren't doing that at the moment because a plant-based diet, it's, it's this wide definition it can be anything from vegan to basically healthy eating, Mediterranean style diet. And that's where we need to be focusing on. For the environment, it doesn't need to be vegan. It can be. Um, but in that case, you have to be extra careful with your nutrition. But the main thing is most people need less animal products and more plants in the diet. Okay. And that goes for whether no matter what way you're eating, it's yeah. just eat more green stuff, eat more color, eat more vegetables, fruits, yeah. things like that. So it is one of the best things that we can do, considering that about 80% of Irish people, we don't eat enough fibre. So 80%? 80% of the Irish population. So that's a big, big percentage. Um, so basically, to increase our intake of fibre, we need more fruit and veg. We also need more whole grains, more nuts, more seeds. And that's what we kind of forget sometimes when we talk about plant-based foods. We kind of just think fruit and veg. But actually, it's the whole grains. It's the nuts and seeds. And what's a normal day's fibre intake then for our listeners? Because everyone's kind of shocked now that kind of, you know, 80%, so that's yeah. four out of five. What's a normal RDA in terms of the visuals? How would that look? Yeah, so basically it's between 25 to 35 grams of fibre is the recommended intake. And it's about half of that that most people in Ireland are getting. Um, so to get enough, what we need to be doing is prioritising fibre at really every meal and snack. So if you're eating three meals and maybe two snacks in the day, each of those is an opportunity to get more fiber in. So if you think that a piece of fruit is around three grams of fiber, um, a slice of whole grain bread is about three grams of fiber, and um, you know a serving of oats would be similar. And then something, there's cer certain very high fiber cereals as well that would add like 10 grams of fiber or an avocado is very high in fiber. Really? Um, yeah. Uh -huh. wow. So basically, so what we want is, you know, half of our meals to be made of fruit and veg, about a quarter being your whole grains, because then you're getting fiber in both of those. And then three quarters of your meal is plants. And I would call that a plant based diet. And then if you're having some nuts and seeds as well, then you're getting an extra fiber as well as healthy fats. Okay, so it's almost splitting your plate it's for every way. single meal, which is half is fruit and veg, yeah. then your whole grains, and then kind of your protein components in the other quarter. Yeah, and then maybe sprinkle on some healthy fats as well. So whether it's nuts, seeds, olive oil, avocado. Okay. Game changers. Yes. Let's this, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted there's someone who we haven't talked about this yet on the show, and okay. it's been on my list of things to chat about. What's your opinion on it? Let's start there. Not a fan. Okay, neither am I. So yeah, we're, we're a biased panel, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a fair airing, though. If I am going to be trying to be a little more balanced about it, I do acknowledge that it has encouraged a group of people to be more aware of eating more plants. Mm -hmm. So there may be a little benefit there. But I found it really problematic, really unscientific, really sensationalist and scaremongering. There's a whole breakdown on my blog about it. Um, but basically, it's just really cherry picked evidence, really biased. It wasn't telling the whole story. And it was focusing on these case studies, one person who has a whole team of people to help them. And, you know, the experiments that they had on there were just ridiculous. 
they were and if you have folks if you haven't seen seen the documentary it's worth a look i think it's worth a look with it with, with kind of one eye open one eye shut almost and, and some of the stuff in terms of the experiments we won't go quite into them but let's just say they're very very strange there there is one where they feed uh, these guys certain foods they send them to bed and they monitor what happens during the night i won't go any further than that because it's <laughs> a pc show you wouldn't know where where you're airing this but trust me it, it, it it's worth a look it, it, it is interesting it does it has got people more aware of vegan, yes, but also your fruit and veg, and that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I do know people, for example, that have seen it and they've taken from it. Okay, well, I'll have a meat-free meal during the week, or I'll just try and increase my plants, and that's great. But the the documentary or the pseudo documentary itself, I wouldn't actually call it a documentary, um, is. It's just it's not balanced. So it's not giving you all the information and two sides of the story so that then you can then make an informed decision. It does that sneaky thing of taking a grain of truth and then kind of blowing that out of proportion and distorting that. And I just think that if people are making these decisions about how they're eating, it should be informed so that they have the information about the ethical side of things, the environment and the nutrition. Okay, so if you have any listeners who are vegan, mm-hmm. are there any things they should be aware of from a diet perspective? Um, vitamins, minerals, all that kind of stuff, or even protein intake. Yeah. And what can they do to make sure they're getting a really balanced kind of nutrient nutrients uh, scale, I suppose, in? Yeah. So one of the really important things to do is to make sure that they get a good variety of plant-based proteins across the day because animal-based proteins are lower quality. So they aren't usually a complete protein where you have all nine essential amino acids in good levels. So what you need then is just to have a mixture of those different types of plant proteins over the day. So maybe you're having a soya drink in the morning and then lentils at lunch and then chickpeas in the evening. You're getting different kinds of protein, different amino acids, and then throughout the day, it all balances out basically. So for example, there is an amino acid called methionine, that we don't really get in legumes, so like beans and pulses. And there's another one called lysine that we don't really get in grains. But if you have grains in your day and you also have beans in your day, the body stores all the extra amino acids so you get a balance overall. Okay. So that's one of the most important things. So get a good variety of plant-based proteins. And then some other important nutrients to think about would be calcium. So make sure that if you're having alternative drinks like soya drinks or nut-based drinks, that they're fortified with calcium. And really the soya ones nutritionally are better because they have more protein in them. And some of them are starting to fortify with iodine now as well, which is another really important nutrient for vegans because our main source is dairy and white fish. So I would definitely be wary there of getting enough of your proteins, getting your iodine in. And if you don't have a good amount of those iodine fortified foods, then you really need to be taking a supplement. And then other supplements to think about would be vitamin B12. So all vegans should be taking B12 and also then containing foods that have B12 throughout the day. So having fortified cereals, again, those fortified drinks and nutritional yeast is a handy one that you can just sprinkle on top of meals. And B12 will be very important for women, presumably. Yeah, well, for men as well. It's all about um, our cognitive function. It has a big role to play in how our brain works and our mental health um, and also just to avoid a certain type of anemia. So it's really important for both um, and also yeah, just for mood and memory and all of that. Um, so it is really important to be getting enough of that B12. And then uh, the other one really that either needs to be supplemented, well, actually it does really for vegans need to be supplemented is omega-3. So we have these three types of omega-3. We have ALA that we get in animal in plant-based foods. So we get that in rapeseed oil, in uh, walnuts and soya products and flax seeds. 
that type of omega-3, it isn't the type that's really good for the heart and um, plays a big role in our brain and our brain health. The type that is most important is the EPA, the DHA. And then we get that in oily fish. So if you're not having oily fish, you absolutely should be having some of those plant-based sources and also a supplement that if you're vegan would be made from microalgae. We don't know. We don't really have the evidence to say that it's as good as having the oily fish. Even taking fish oil supplements isn't as good as eating oily fish, but it's kind of the next best thing you can do. Folks, you're listening to The Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. You mentioned protein there. So protein is very trendy. It was probably the word of last year, I think, in terms of health and potentially the year before too. Uh, Is there a big difference between plant protein and animal protein then? So the main thing is that amino acid score that I mentioned. So animal-based proteins, so meat and dairy and poultry and fish, they tend to be complete proteins. So you get a good amount of all nine essential amino acids. So your body can't make those amino acids. You need them in your diet. And one of the most important ones in terms of our muscles is leucine. And we get good amounts in meat and dairy in particular. And that helps us to absorb and utilize the protein in our diet properly. So that's where, as I was saying, you need that good mix over the day. There are some plant-based foods that have a good quality protein in them. So soya is one that's actually quite good. And quinoa and buckwheat, they'd be good as well. But otherwise, some of the foods, although they have all the amino acids in them, they might have quite a low level of one amino acid. So that's where it's extra important just to get that variety. Kids or teenagers then who are vegan? Uh-huh. I would imagine, again, there's a hu- that's growing and growing all the time. Are there any special considerations? Uh, is there any dangers to that? Are they missing out on essential nu- nutrients potentially? Or what should they be aware of? Yeah, I think one of the main ones to think about again would be omega-3 because the brain is still developing at that time, develops up until the age of 25 or at least 18. Um, So definitely need to be getting the omega-3s in. And then it's just considering, you know, whether on an individual basis you want to kind of take the risk that it may not be quite as good as the oily fish. But that being said, I mean, a lot of Irish people who aren't vegan don't eat enough oily fish anyway. Um, So I would definitely prioritise, though, getting in the plant-based proteins and taking the omega-3 supplement and those other supplements I mentioned, the B12, the iodine. And in Ireland, most of us need to think about taking vitamin D anyway. Of course. um, Our lack of sunshine. Um, (laughs) The other thing, though, to mention, especially around teenagers, is what's their motivation for adopting a vegan diet? So there's a bit of a risk there that there can be an overlap with a vegan diet, especially in a teenager, and hiding the symptoms of an eating disorder or disordered eating. So obviously that's not true in all cases, but it can be a way of reducing calorie intake and being extra controlled and restrictive around food. Um, So it's just to be aware that that can be an issue, especially if the motivation seems to be health. If the motivation seems to be the ethical side of things, but they're still having a good range of vegan foods and they're getting enough calories and they're healthy, then that's absolutely fine. Um, It's just something to be aware of. I actually never would have thought of that. Mm-hmm. And are eating disorders something that are on the rise in professional practice that you're seeing? Yes, yeah, they would be. Um, and again, you know, we're seeing it younger and younger. Um, so that's why I think it's important just for parents to be aware that it's kind of like red flags to look out for. And I mean, there's other ones, of course, as well, you know, um, secrecy around food. And, you know, if you're seeing obviously body issues and distress around food or hiding food, you know, there's lots of things to look out for. This is just one little element that it can be used sometimes to hide the symptoms of an eating disorder. Um, so obviously it's not true in all cases, but it is something to think of. Yeah, because it, it, it's very much, it's, it's a control thing. 
Yeah. And I'm taking ownership of something. And it's a very strict parameter around food. That's it. And now that it's becoming more acceptable and almost expected in some social circumstances to kind of be more plant-based or be vegan, it, it kind of gives an eating disorder an opportunity to hide under that. Um, so that will really depend on the context and the individual, as is always the case with nutrition. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about sports yes. and diet and veganism. So people who exercise a lot, mm -hmm. uh, go to the gym a huge amount, professional sports people. Yeah. What special considerations are required for them? Yes, good question. So definitely, you know, we need to optimize the protein intake and get enough protein hits across the day. Um, so if I'm seeing a client who's vegan and an athlete or very active, then we need to just make sure that they're getting the right amount of protein for them. So it's usually the kind of 20 to 40 grams of protein per meal. And then they might need, depending on their activity and things, up to maybe four or even five protein hits in that day. And then again, we still want to get that variety. So they're getting all the amino acids in. Um, we need to, I mean, the general things of thinking about, you know, hydration and carbohydrate and everything as well. Um, and it depends if an athlete is trying to gain or trying to maybe cut fat, you know, that'll make a difference in terms of their nutrition. It can be a little bit more difficult to get enough protein on a lower calorie intake, because if we think of our animal based proteins like meat, then you get a really high amount of protein in for a lower amount of calories, basically. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is trying to cut weight and also get enough protein, then sometimes you know, that's a consideration of whether they want to follow a fully vegan diet or not. Um, but it is, I mean, it's definitely achievable for people to get their sports, reach their goals, basically, while being on a vegan diet. It just takes that extra bit of planning and preparation. I, I was vegan for three months, years okay. ago. I was vegetarian for five years. And uh, within that, there was a three month period where I tried the vegan thing. I couldn't do it. Uh, the planning and components of it was so, so difficult in terms of time and, and kind of management yeah. of, of time. And I found it really, really hard. So I suppose for people considering it, it is a key factor to consider is you have to be very organized, very structured and very planned. Absolutely. And especially in the beginning, in the first few months when you're still getting your head around, you know, making sure I'm getting everything in my day or learning to cook different things. Um, it definitely takes a bit more time and preparation. And that's where actually getting some individual support from a dietitian can be useful. So if in doubt or if someone's at a higher risk of nutritional issues, so especially like a pregnant woman or, you know, if somebody's raising their children vegan or an older adult or someone who's malnourished, that's where they may benefit from getting that extra support. Are there any really good, I suppose, or typical breakfast, lunch and dinner options maybe mm -hmm. that vegans or people trying to get more kind of plant-based foods into their diet should look at? Yeah. Um, and in terms of breakfast, maybe to start with. Yeah, so for breakfast, the main swap is the type of milk that's going on because if you think of like maybe oats and fruit and seeds, it's all vegan anyway. The only thing to change there would be the milk. And as I was saying, soya would be the best alternative really because you're getting your protein in as well and making sure it's fortified. So if it's an organic soya, it's often not fortified with extra calcium and B12. But if it's an ordinary soya, it will generally be. And if you're looking for one that has iodine in it as well, it's quite a new nutrient that they're starting to add in. But some of the bigger brands are now adding in iodine as well. And um, so that'd be a really good breakfast. So something like oats or another whole grain cereal with a soya drink and a variety of fruit and seeds. And again, you know, just for general health and for our gut health, we want to be eating different fruit and veg and different seeds. So it's kind of mixing it up day to day. Lunch options? Lunch options. So I tend to see that for 
my vegan clients, the lunch and dinner options tend to overlap a little bit more because you tend to go for things like maybe like chickpea curries or tofu and veg stir fries with quinoa or with rice. So they tend to be more of those kind of hot meals um, because it's just a handy way of mixing up the grains rather than just having, say, bread. Um, But you can have a sandwich that would be maybe whole grain bread with hummus um, and some maybe some roasted veg on there and then maybe like a soya yogurt with some fruit afterwards just to boost up the protein a bit. Um, But generally it does tend to be those kind of like batch cook type meals Mm -hmm. um, that are useful for both lunch and dinner. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I suppose the big question that I wanted to ask you, because just from what I see with people, uh, vegans think that they're healthier Uh than non-vegans and non-vegans think that they're healthier than vegans. Is one healthier than, than the other or... Not. That's a very horrible question, it's, isn't it? It's a good question, though, because <laughs> it is something. And I feel like there is this very you know, passionate debates on both sides of the equation. And actually, neither is true because it depends on the individual. So you could have a really healthy, balanced vegan diet or a really unhealthy, unbalanced vegan diet. So you could literally eat chips all day. That's vegan. Or you could just eat sugar all day. That's vegan. Obviously, that wouldn't be healthy. Or you could have your variety of plant proteins, lots of different grains, fruit and veg, nuts and seeds and, you know, your fortified products and supplements. And then you have a really healthy, balanced vegan diet. And it's the same for somebody who's more of an omnivore. You know, they could be having, you know, far too much saturated fat and fried foods and too much red meat. Or they could be having actually most of their diet is plants, but they have their red meat one to three times a week. And then they have some lean meat and then maybe some eggs and they have their oily fish at least once a week. Um, So really, it depends on the individual and what they're eating. And again, on their history. So we were talking about the, you know, the fact that sometimes a vegan diet may mask the signs of an eating disorder. For somebody who already has an eating disorder or a history of an eating disorder, it might not be in their best interest to cut out food groups because that can be really triggering. So it does come down to the individual and what they're eating. But if we're talking about kind of where do we have the most evidence for the mm-hmm. healthiest diet, it's really the Mediterranean type diet. So you're, but I I do class that as a plant-based diet because it is mainly plants. And then you have your oily fish at least once a week. And then, you know, you can have some small amounts of poultry and eggs and red meat and dairy. If there's one key word that summarizes our conversation, it seems to be variation. Yes. That you vary your diet as much as you possibly can, no matter what you eat. But variation is a key component of that. Absolutely. That's one of the best things that most of us can do for our health. So there was a really interesting study that came out about a year or two ago, and it looked at how many different plants people were having in their diet. And it was people who were having at least 30 types of plants every week. They had the best gut health and the best diversity of bacteria in their gut. And that, you know, again, it's not just fruit and veg, it's nuts and seeds and grains and everything. Um, But you can do that whether you're following a vegan diet or not. And that's a really beneficial thing. And that's why we say eat the rainbow, because you're going to be getting different vitamins, minerals, antioxidants in different kinds of fruit and veg. But the same thing for animal based foods. You know, you get different nutrients in a salmon steak than you would in a chicken breast. Cool. Maeve, if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you? So I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Dietetically Speaking. I always spell that because it's a little bit tricky. It's D-I-E-T-E-T-I-C-A-L-L-Y speaking, all one word. And then on Twitter, I couldn't fit that in my handle. So it's at Dietetic Speak. And my website is dieteticallyspeaking.com. Fantastic. Maeve, thank you so much for coming on the Real Health Podcast and chatting all things vegan. Really clear, really simple, really, really good advice. Folks, there you have it. 
variation is the key word. No matter what you eat, be, keep it varied, keep it simple. And variation is crucial for good health and overall health as well. That's it from this week's Real Health Podcast with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Thank you so much to Maeve Hannon for joining me on the show. Folks, as ever, don't forget to rate and review and subscribe so you'll never miss a show. And you can keep up to date with all our news and tips on social media during the week on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at Carl Henry PT. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Slon. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.